You are listening to the Thriving Empire Podcast Season 3, How to Find a Remote Job. So if you're a highly skilled human ready to ditch the office and the clutches of the commute and instead work for an awesome company right from your kitchen table or a co-working space or wherever in the world, you're going to love this season. I've created the ultimate resource bursting with actionable tactics and tips for finding a remote job as well as a smooth transition to the remote work style so that you can enjoy more freedom and flexibility in your work and in your life. I'm your host, Stephanie Holland, marketing strategist and consultant, traveler, coconut macaroon addict, and remote work obsessed. Let's get started. Well, hello. How's your week going? How is your remote job search going? Are you all in? Are you putting some skin in the game? Hopefully by the end of this episode, you will be. Now, I live in a beach location conducive to the remote work style. Um, thanks to one very minimalist, no frills, but highly functional co-working space that also offers high-speed internet. And it doubles as a hostel. So there are a lot of people coming through who you might associate with the remote lifestyle, but might not actually be a very good advertisement if you also want to be part of it as well. And you'll see the significance of this after what I'm about to tell you. But first, quickly, before we get into the episode, there are going to be 20 to 30 episodes in the season. But if you want to fast track your remote career trajectory, head over to stephanieholland.co where I offer personalized remote career plans and consults. Sign up for my list while you're there and I'll keep you up to date with what I'm offering. And who knows, we might end up working together soon. So back, back to my beach, remote beach lifestyle. When, when I tell people that I work remotely, two things happen. One, they immediately assume I'm a digital nomad and it conjures up images of backpacks and traveling from place to place every couple of days and hostels and just as quickly. Two, they decide they could never do that nor would they ever want to. And actually, fair play, the digital nomad lifestyle is really intense and not for everybody, so I totally get that. But here's the thing. Digital nomads have become inextricably linked with remote working because they do it for a living and they blog about it and talk about it a lot. But the association does remote working and the world a disservice because digital nomads are actually only 10% of the remote workforce. And I am not one of them. Digital nomads are location independent. They are location independent through the nature of their work and they leverage technology for their job. So if you listen to the previous episode, you'll know that they are knowledge workers. Um, you've seen the laptop on the beach in their bikini photos on Instagram, which by the way, is impossible due to the glare of the sun and very impractical due to the large amount of sand that gets into your laptop and really destroys it over time. And of course, in your eyes, blinding you in the moment. Anyway, Digital nomads typically take advantage of the location independence that they have to travel from place to place, and they stop in places they like for a few days or a few months at a time. They can be remote employees, they can be independent contractors or freelancers, and they can also run their own business. And as you know, many are bloggers that earn a lot of money through advertising, made possible by the fact that they have become very good at driving a lot of traffic to their websites, and so popular because so many people are very envious of the Instagrammed glamorized version of the digital nomad lifestyle, even though I think it's probably one of the world's biggest hoaxes right now. But that's another episode <laughs> I'm not going to go into and probably won't create. 
All I want to say is this. Don't let photos of hot 20-somethings posing in front of incredible vistas, toting backpacks, make you feel like the whole remote thing is not for you. They only represent 10% of the remote workforce, okay? So I'm 43 years old. I'm a marketing strategist with almost two decades of real work and business experience behind me. And yes, I'm location independent, which means I could move my life to another country tomorrow with minimal disruption to my work and my life. But instead, I actually choose to spend time in three locations every year, the same town, same community every time, same apartment in each location. I cook for myself. I work in my kitchen. I have my favorite cafe. I work in the library sometimes. I have close friends. I feel very settled and happy in my life. And honestly, just the idea of moving from place to place, packing every few days makes me feel exhausted. So when my friends describe me as a nomadic gypsy, I laugh because Nothing is further from the truth. Actually, the last time I really traveled was 2013, and that's when I fell in love with Mexico. I was writing my first book. I spent six months here, and it really became one of my three favorite locations. So you don't have to travel or move country or anything like that to enjoy the freedom and flexibility that a remote career offers you. But the location independence you can gain from a remote job means you can if you want to. But otherwise, you can work from your kitchen table in the house you've lived in for the last six years if you want to. But watch out. Here's all I'll say. Once you do transition to a remote role, you might be hooked for life. A Buffer survey actually found that 90% of remote workers intend to work remotely for life. So how do you know if you are an ideal remote worker? Now, we're going to talk about more specific skills and characteristics that you need to have or cultivate in a forthcoming episode. But for now, I want to walk you through some baseline requirements. One, you need to be a knowledge worker. Now, whenever you hear or read the term knowledge worker, Peter Drucker is never far from being mentioned. He was an Austrian-born American management consultant known as the founder of modern management. And he wrote an essay for Harvard Business Review in 1992. I've put the link in the show notes. It's absolutely brilliant. It's really, really, really worth a 15-minute read. Grab a cup of coffee and go and fire it up on your laptop. He actually passed away in 2005. But in that essay, he detailed his vision of our present day. And he really said that the new world would be marked by a shift to a knowledge society. And that was an incredible and very telling prediction. So much has changed, even in the last 20 years since I've been in the world of work. And now, information is transmitted by technology as the norm. And it never used to be. This is now the bedrock of our lives, right? Most of us can't even do yoga or something like breathwork exercises without an app on our mobile phone. And it's this shift in technology that's precipitated the rise of our knowledge society, where we now create value with our minds instead of in the fields with our muscles. The information age is here, has been for a while, it's been creeping up on us, but it's now, bam, right here. So if you have a laptop, 
paid to think and you use technology to create, transmit and share the, the output of your thinking, then you are a knowledge worker. So if you're a landscape gardener, this probably isn't you, okay? But if you found it or work for a landscape gardening company and you have or any kind of business, if you can imagine, and you have departments like governance, strategy, finance, sales, marketing, HR, research and development, IT, customer service, quality control, distribution, sourcing, design, product development, engineering, you get the gist, right? Any department on the business side, then you are a knowledge worker. Two, you need to have a specific skill set. Now, like any job search, you need to know what you're looking for. So, for example, copywriter, marketing specialist, product engineer, or UX designer. So, what you do is expressed through your job title and through the list of job-specific skills that you share on your CV or your LinkedIn profile. And both of those things serve two purposes. One, it helps you, you with a specific job search. And two, it lets future employers know what you do and how you can potentially help them. It's a bit like where you come from. When you tell someone you're from London, it gives them a frame of reference and a contextual understanding of you. So yes, it's okay to be a generalist, but that won't really help you get a specific job or do a specific job search. You still need to know your expertise within your generalism. So list all your alternative job titles, list your skills and the different ways they are referred to. And if you need help, I guide you through a very quick and very easy exercise in the worksheet that goes with this episode. Just head over to stephanieholland.co forward slash 54 to grab a copy. Now, Number three, you need to be passionate about the career you're building. Now, remote work is not an easy ride. It has similar challenges to a co-located role, plus the additional challenges characterized by a remote work style and a remote lifestyle, especially if it's the first time you're doing this. So ideally, it really needs to be something you're passionate about building a career in. So what characterizes a career versus a job? Okay, so a career is longer term, it involves professional growth, it aligns with your skills and values, you bring the best of yourself to every piece of work, you feel motivated to grow, to learn and to give back, and you love what you do. And this doesn't necessarily mean you have to choose between being an employee for the rest of your life and running your business at some point. It typically just means that whatever role you do or whatever working arrangement you choose, it follows some kind of career theme. So it might follow a job skill, a specialist theme, or it might follow an industry or a category theme. So for example, maybe you have a passion for fitness, health and fitness. So maybe at some point you do marketing for a fitness app, and then you move into product development for a healthcare app, and then you launch your own strength training app for women. Well, you have a passion for health and fitness. That's your career. You're building your career in health and fitness. And of course, your career could follow you through lots of different industries and categories as a result of being a copywriter or as a result of being a marketing strategist like me. So my theme is marketing strategy. And the people I love to help are those who are leaving the world a little better than they found it. So that's my theme. So a friend of mine is passionate about matchmaking. Her, her career theme is just helping people find each other and fall in love and walk off into the sunset happily ever after. She works in sales for a premium matchmaking service and she's also launched her own dating app, which she's building as a business 
from the ground up. That's her career theme, okay? Um, number four, you need to be good at what you do. Okay, obvious, but even if you're entry level, you need to show a degree of capability, whether it's from a previous role, a previous career, or a university project. You can do some kind of training or education in the field that you're getting into to show enthusiasm and offer a baseline skill set. So recently, I did a UX design co course with Skill Crush, which, by the way, was excellent, um, because I really wanted to demonstrate my passion for the product side of business. Um, especially early stage tech startups and of course for digital platforms and that really kind of helps me um, position me as someone who's really passionate about what I'm doing. But also likewise if you're experienced you still need to be able to show either um, your work as a portfolio or what you're capable of in response to a brief or to be able to gather testimonials from previous employers or clients. Number five, you need to have a strong work ethic. Now working remotely might involve long periods of time working alone without anybody looking over your shoulder or checking in on you. You really have to have this innate internal guidance system that drives you to produce and get the work done. Now, work ethic gets you so much further than talent alone. And I love what Will Smith said about this. He said, I never viewed myself as particularly talented. Where I excel is ridiculous, sickening work ethic. Too right, Will Smith, go you. Number six, you need to be organized. Um, and maybe this should have been point five and work ethics should have been point six. But anyway, obviously, you need to know what needs to be done now and then you need to do it. So working flexible hours and having more freedom makes this slightly more challenging for some people. So you really have to come up with your own strategies to stay organized within your new work and lifestyle. Some companies will help extract, extract this from their teams. So for example, in my last remote role, we had a daily update channel in Slack where we posted done, doing, and to do at the end of every day. And those lists really kept me motivated to do as much as possible so that my done list would be as long as possible. It was really fun. Now, the most savvy remote-first companies prioritize output over hours. So if you can't organize yourself to get the work done, you won't make it past the trial period. Now, we'll talk about more specific skills and characteristics that you can cultivate in a later episode. But for now, these six traits, so to speak, are the baseline requirements that I really feel will benefit you and help you succeed as a remote worker. For now, if you have Podcast Pack 3, crack open Worksheet 2 to do the Remote Worker Quiz. I actually guide you through each of the six traits so that you can see where you stack up and also decide whether you want to put some real skin in the game and really go um, full on into the remote job search because it's a lot of work and you really need to put some skin in the game if you really want to find the ideal remote role for you. But anyway, do the, do the worksheet. It's super fun. I love creating fun worksheets for you. If you don't have your copy yet of Podcast Pack 3, don't worry. Head over to stephanieholland.co forward slash podcast podcast pack three or this show notes at stephanieholland.co forward slash 54 to grab your copy. And then until then, until next week, keep living and working on your own terms so that you can build your career and the life you really want simultaneously. I'll see you next time. Bye. Mm -hmm.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Thriving Empire. I appreciate you being here and hanging out with me. Now, if you're not subscribed already, head over to stephanieholland.co, that's C-O, and sign up right on the page so that you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, I have a favor to ask you. Would you rate and review it on iTunes, please? Just search Thriving Empire on iTunes. Click subscribe, then ratings and reviews, and you'll be asked to give it a start rating and a quick sentence or two on what you think about it and what you think about me. Now, this will really help other people find it too, so that more people can build their career and create the life they really want simultaneously. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful week and see you next time on Thriving Empire.